Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Portico Church, Arlington Online here. My name is Jason Connor, lead pastor, and it's my privilege to open up the Word of God with you today. We are still in Romans. We're going to be in Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5. Uh, this is a series we're walking through to understand what does it mean that Jesus gave himself up or died for us? What does it mean that Paul calls, calls the gospel the power of God unto salvation for those that believe? So we've been walking through this understanding that Jesus, his death pays for our penalty, bears the weight of our sin, um, gives us peace in him. And today we're going to look at what it means that we suffer still. How, how does the death of Jesus change how we endure loss and how we suffer? So as we, as we get there, let me just ask you this question. How are you suffering now? In this, in this season, everybody's affected, some much more than others, but everybody's affected by COVID-19. How are you suffering now, listen to that question. It's not, what are you suffering? I could probably make a list of the things that you might be suffering. You might be suffering financial hardship. You might, in fact, have COVID-19, so you're suffering from this illness. Maybe you know somebody that has it. Maybe you're suffering from anxiety. I know the things that you're suffering, what you're suffering, but how are you suffering? Meaning this, how are you making sense of this in your life? How do you make sense of the fact that your future is completely overturned at this point? How are you making sense of that? Because as Paul Tripp, an author, says, we don't find it, we don't make sense of our lives just through facts. Nobody does that. How you make sense of suffering, how you make sense of your life is through the lens, how you interpret the things that are going on in your life. And one of two ways, there's a few ways this is going to happen to you. One is you will interpret this season as essentially you're a victim of chaos. There's not a thing you can do about it. And there's in many ways the joy of life is gone. That's one way to look at it. That's one lens that you can have. Or even as today is Palm Sunday and Jesus rides into Jerusalem as a king and he leaves as a victorious king ascending to the right hand of the Father. Are you looking at your suffering through that lens? Because what we'll see here as we open up Romans 5, verses 3 through 5, is that we know this. We know that the death of Jesus makes suffering our servant. Hear that. Because of the death of Jesus, we can with confidence say that our suffering now serves us to God's ends. This is totally not the way we think. This is not intuitive at all, but this is where the text goes. We're going to pick up from last week. So um, let's go there right now. Let me read this text, and then we will jump in to understand what God has for us this morning. Again, Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5. And not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Why? Knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we just come to you. Um, one of the most disorienting, difficult things about suffering 
together is understanding what it means for me individually. What does this mean for our lives, God? Jesus, you are no stranger to suffering. You bear the weight of our sin as you reconcile us to God. We need to understand this. We need to understand how your death makes suffering and death not our enemy, but our servant. So would you open up your word as we behold it, that we might see its beauty and its truth. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So the death of Jesus makes suffering our servant, makes your suffering your servant. What do we mean by that? Three things we're going to look at today. There's three ways that this happens, how the death of Jesus makes suffering your servant. One is it gives you an unshakable stability in life. One of the things that we see when we have crisis or suffering is we start to lose our footing in life. So when we suffer in Christ, it gives us an unshakable stability. Also, it gives us, secondly, an attested integrity. Nobody trusts things that they haven't tested out yet. So when we suffer in Christ, we see this tested or tried integrity, what Scripture calls character. And lastly, you have the experience of victory. The way that you understand what it means, or the way that we understand that the gospel is power, is when we need it. And like Pastor Johnny Reeves said, in many ways, the gospel is something that we assented to intellectually before this, and now we're in a situation where everything's turned upside down, and we need to understand this. We need it now. We need God's power now. So an unshakable stability, a tested integrity, and the experience of victory. This is how the death of Jesus actually makes our suffering our servant. So let's walk through that together. First, unshakable stability. You need to know this. Uh, when the scripture talks about suffering, the word that it uses really gives the connotation or the idea of compression. This happens. Suffering means you are experiencing pressure. You feel that pressure in your life. It reduces the options that you have. Now, suffering isn't good. So what you don't want to hear through this is, oh, the pastor told me that scripture says suffering's good. No, it is not good. Nobody wants to suffer. Nobody wants to experience this. No, we want to be happy. We want to have a situation or a life where we don't experience loss, we don't experience pain, obviously. However, this does produce stability in our lives. But understand this, suffering is compression. It takes away options. You feel pressure in your life. And if we understand the narrative of today's culture, which is the purpose of life is very simple, to be happy, Okay, I understand that. Everybody wants that. But let me ask you this question. When you experience pain and suffering and loss, or specifically like COVID-19, where your future is essentially gone, and we don't know what's going to happen, what does that mean for you? Does that, does that mean your life has no meaning more? If you can't experience joy, if you can't experience happiness because you're experiencing loss, does that mean your life has been drained of meaning? What better not? It better not. Um, the, so this is the stability that the death of Jesus gives us. So not only is it compress, compression in our life, pressure in our life, heat in our life, but the text says suffering produces endurance. But why? Well, the text says we boast in our sufferings. Now, you remember last week, it says we boast in the hope of the glory of God. That was the last thing that we read and that made sense to us. Yes, we want to be connected to something greater than ourselves. We want to see the glory of God. We want our lives to be wrapped up in the purpose of who God is. 
Why would we boast in our sufferings? That's not how I would have written that. Why would we boast in our sufferings? Well, the text says, knowing that our suffering produces endurance. That word knowing is so important. It's ongoing. In other words, as we look backwards, we know that Christ has given himself up for us, paid the penalty of our sin, reduced or removed the power of sin in our lives, given us peace, that's happened. And as we understand that, as we stand in that in faith, it gives us an ongoing reason. So this, this, is, this is how hope works. It's not just an idea. It's both something that has happened and something that's happening in our lives now. So suffering produces endurance, knowing. So that's the lens you're looking at. Uh, the Apostle Paul here in this text is giving you a lens to look at your life with, specifically in suffering knowing that suffering produces endurance. Well, what is endurance? Well, the first thing endurance is is capacity. Um, It's something that is beyond yourself. All of us have capacity. We're not infinite. We're finite. So suffering will give to us something that we cannot endure. We don't have the endurance or the capacity to bear this up. When we suffer in Christ and we see his grace give us strength, or we see him in real time give us the strength to do that, then it builds endurance in our life. So endurance is capacity. Uh, even like if you're an athlete, uh, if you commit yourself to being a marathon runner or a long-distance runner, just because you commit yourself to that doesn't mean the next day as you put on your running uniform, you don't have that capacity. You have no capacity. You have to build that up. So as we suffer in Christ, as we trust him, as we're willing to do that, we have endurance, meaning that we gain capacity, and we can not only endure it but serve others. Secondly, endurance means patience. And it's not just long-suffering. There's a patience that's tied to your passion. Again, I'm going to go back to a marathon runner. If you want to win a marathon, you will be out probably five to six days a week running, and you will have to do this with patience. Now, it's not a patience where you just endure it because you want the outcome. You want uh, the glory of basically running a marathon. So there's a passion. There's a love there. The same way when we suffer in Christ. We learn to be patient. So this endurance is not just capacity more than what you can do. It's not just a patience knowing that you are loved by God and he will actually get you there. It's also a stability. And this is what we're talking about. You remain unmoved. You have the ability by trusting in Christ in real time, in suffering, to remain unmoved from him. Because we know this. Suffering will draw you into yourself. You will put your eyes on what is causing pain or loss, and many times that will cause you to remove yourself from God. So as we suffer, as we suffer in Christ, we will begin to experience endurance, better capacity, more patience, and stability. Here's what this feels like. When they certify an airplane to fly, one of the key things that they're looking for is what they call inherent stability. Now follow me. Here's what that means. When you have an airplane flying, basically if you let go of, of, of the yoke, the steering wheel, it will stay stable. If you push the nose down, it will inherently come back up to a steady state level flight. That's what you want from your airplane. That's, what, that's good. When you don't have inherent stability, here's what happens. Let's say you push the nose down or turbulence pushes the nose down, and as your nose goes down, it actually accelerates the dive. And so what happens is your plane will get out of control very, very quickly. That is inherent instability. 
So you do not want that. It's unsafe. It's not good. So let me ask you this. As you're experiencing suffering, as your world has changed, that is going to knock you off what you expected out of life. It's turbulence. Do you have inherent stability? Are you in Christ? Do you know that Christ has a purpose for your suffering, so much so that you can rebound, that you won't be moved? You might be disoriented. You might be knocked back on your heels for a minute, but you know your life is not over. You know your life still has purpose, and you even know that because of his death, this suffering is serving you. It is building endurance into your life, capacity for service, patience as you walk through this together, and inherent stability. You cannot be moved. This is what Christ is building into us as we trust him. That is the stability that his death, him giving himself up for us, does. This is how suffering serves us. So yes, it gives us an unshakable stability. Secondly, there's a tested integrity that suffering will bring to you. And here's what I mean by that. Um, I know there's some kids out there, so I'm going to speak for you for a minute. Let me just say this for you. When mom and dad put something on your plate that you've never seen before, why don't you want to eat it? I know why you don't want to eat it, because you've never tried it before. Nobody trusts something that they haven't tried. So when mom and dad put broccoli on your plate, you're like, no, thank you. I'd rather have a chicken nugget shaped like a dinosaur, because I know what they taste like, and they're good. I've actually tried those, so nobody wants that. Nobody wants to try something or take something, trust something that they haven't tried before. Uh, That's how we work. It's the same way with suffering. Nobody wants it. Why would you want that? But what it does is it produces a tested integrity, what Scripture calls character in your life. Um, let me, let's go back to Exodus to help us understand that. In Exodus 14, we see Israel delivered out of Egypt, delivered out of the house of bondage, and then they find themselves under Moses' leadership trapped between the Red Sea and a pursuing army. Pharaoh's army. This is a forced faith. So let me just read how they responded. This is Exodus chapter 14, verse 10. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Is it because there are not enough graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians, because it would have been better for us to serve them than to die in the wilderness. Let me just explain this to you, friend, and I think you probably already know where I'm going with this. Suffering like nothing else, experiencing loss, grief, whatever that is, it will force a faith. Israel is pinned between an approaching army and water they cannot cross, and there was a lot of them. And so their initial response is, you know what? It would have been better just to die in Egypt. Why do I want to die in the desert? Let me tell you why you want to die in the desert, because God is with you. God is with you. And they chose to trust, even in fear, and God parted that Red Sea. Moses pushed them through. That's tested integrity. The rest of their lives, getting into the promised land, that is not going to happen without them testing integrity, without them learning how to trust God in situations where they were forced to be faithful. So suffering will do that to you. Um, I've told you this story before. It's about a woman in her 80s named Betty Thompson, 
And when we moved with my family out from California to Virginia years ago, uh, she was, we were in her community group in the church we were in. And I'm just, without going into great detail, it was not a good time for the household of the Connors. Uh, we had debilitating sickness. We had a bunch of little kids. We were out of money, out of hope, no family out here, no friends really. And I was not having it. And I was in her community group. And she said to me, she said, Jason, she asked me how I was doing, and I told her. She said, Jason, for where God wants to take you, there's only one way to get there. And I sense that you want out of the suffering. You don't want it. And who does? But it's the only way God is going to get you where he wants you to go. Did you know this word, character, in Scripture comes from a word group that means refined, precious metal that is refined, and she went ahead to explain to me, you are like a metal that is precious to God. And the way that metal gets refined is through intense pressure and heat. We call that suffering. And he does that so that he can, the impurities or the dross will float to the top of the silver, and then he adds more heat, and it burns the impurities out, these things that you trust that are not him. And there's no way to get where he's taking you except through this intense pressure and heat. So she told me, only when you refuse to remove yourself from God during these times, when you refuse to do that in loss, will you learn to trust him like he's calling you to do. And she was just very honest. You are not going to build a character in life that God wants for you if you continue to back away from him and want to go back into bondage, want to go back into a life where you control it and not him. I've never forgot that. This word plays on that idea of intense pressure, refined by fire. Uh, even in 1 Peter, he says that the tested genuineness of our faith comes forward in times of suffering. But it's that tested genuineness that will give you the integrity. Know that you have tried this. You have walked with God. You have seen him, what he's done in your life. And that is only possible because the death of Jesus has made suffering your servant, meaning that no matter what comes into your life, whether it's suffering that you experience on your own or the shared suffering we are having together, every single thing that you experience in Christ must submit itself to God's plan for your life. That is just true. And this is where we have a hard time understanding. Well, I don't understand how God would want that. I don't either. And, and Scripture doesn't tell us that. Um, but we do understand this. Everything that comes into our lives has to submit and serve God's greater plan for your life specifically. Um, yes, so that is tested integrity. That is what God is calling us to. So how do we experience that? What does that feel like? Well, it should feel like victory. The death of Jesus makes suffering your servant by giving you the experience of victory. You need to feel that. You need to feel that. Um, the, the text uses the word shame, doesn't it? Some of your Bibles will say disappoint. Both of them pick up in this idea. But you know how shame works. You know how disappointment works. It up uproots your confidence, doesn't it? Um, I hated spelling bees as a kid, although I was actually pretty good at spelling. If you put me up in front of people, and I felt I just you know, my, my face would get hot. I couldn't talk right, pretty much like it is now. 
And, you know, I just, it was shame. I didn't want to do it. So the shame of failure uproots your confidence for the future. So what God wants you to know is that in this suffering, as we choose to suffer in Christ, he will actually build confidence in your life as he gives you the experience of victory in it. There's no way that this can be true if you are not trusting in the death of Jesus to, to, to be yours. In him, though, your suffering actually serves you in this way. So listen to the flow of this text. Listen to the flow of this text. Just, just hear where it goes. Not only that, we rejoice in sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance. That's the unshakable stability. And endurance produces character. That's tested integrity in your life. And this character produces hope. Do you, do you see the line here? Do you see the line? Last week, we were talking about hoping in the glory of God. And now we see suffering and even death has no ability to separate you from the glory of God. It actually pushes you into it. So even in suffering, even in experiencing loss, you are building confidence that God is who he says he is. This gives you confidence. And then the text gives us a very specific reason why. Because it says, this is so important, because, how does this all work? Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Here's the because. First, because Jesus absolutely experienced victory in his death. If you understand the cross as God just giving us an example to follow, well, it is that, but that's not the point of the cross. He's actually bearing the weight of our sin. And the fact that he takes on death and then comes to life, resurrection, shows you that his suffering wasn't domination by death, but he actually owns death or dominates death. That is absolute victory. His ascension to the right hand of the Father into the position of power at this point as he intercedes for our church, preparing us, that is his victory. And we make it ours through faith. In fact, I think we even sang this in a song today. But 1 Corinthians 15, this kind of sums it up. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, but the power of sin is the law. Listen, Jesus bore the weight of the law and sin overcomes it. So he experiences absolute victory. Secondly, you experience his victory through faith. What does that mean? Well, you see that God actually pours out the Holy Spirit into your life. Do you know the Holy Spirit is God? God, the Holy Spirit. So you experience the presence and the power of God in suffering, comma, as you ask him, as we stay in position, as we're willing to trust him, as we don't back away from God in the heat. Ask him. He pours out. This is, a, this is an infinite pouring into your life that you might experience the power and the presence of God in your life in suffering, in loss. That is you experiencing victory. And you only get to experience the power and the glory of what God has accomplished for you in many ways when we're willing to lose for it, when we experience suffering. This is experienced victory. And one of the ways you know that you're experiencing it is because you start taking your eyes off what is pursuing you, what is causing you pain, and you start finding ways to serve others. You start finding ways to comfort 
others. That is a good indication that you understand how the death of Jesus actually makes your suffering your slave, your servant. It has to serve you. Do you see the craziness of this? Your worst enemy is death. It'll take everything from you. And suffering is a, a, basically a pathway to death. Because of the death and the resurrection of Jesus, this grace actually weaponizes death against evil. Do you see that? Grace weaponizes death against evil. So now it's actually your next stop to glory. If you have that confidence, then it will change how you live now. It will change how you embrace suffering now. You will embrace it not because you like it, but because you know God is building in you an unshakable stability. You know that he's testing your faith with you so that you would have a, a tested integrity. You'll learn how to not walk in fear. And you, will you personally will experience victory as you trust him in Christ for whatever he puts into your life, whatever we share in suffering, whatever you share in suffering. And he will build you up and teach you how to use that to comfort and serve others. So how are you suffering? I know what you're suffering. Well, many of you do, but how are you suffering? How are you finding meaning? How are you finding meaning in your suffering now? Find it this way. Jesus gave himself up for you personally, personally, that you might experience in real time reconciliation to God, sin forgiven, past forgiven, future yours. This is what he's calling you to do. Trust him for that. It will change how you live, change how you die, and everything in between. Join me in doing that. Um, just, just refuse to remove yourself from God when you suffer. Just refuse to do that and trust him. This is God's call for us today as he teaches us what it means for you to suffer, knowing that as we do this in Christ, as we give our lives, as we continue to repent and hand him even our suffering, our suffering serves us to these ends. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you love us, uh, that we know that your death isn't just wiping our slate clean, isn't just forgiveness, isn't just reconciliation, isn't just positioning us from enemy to friend and to beloved child and heir, but your death weaponizes death against evil in our lives so that even loss all the way up to death now serves your purposes in our life builds endurance and character, Lord, and confirms hope. Let that be true of us, Lord Jesus. Let that be true of us. We pray this in your name. Amen.